Let's pray again and ask the Lord's blessing on the ministry of the Word this afternoon. Our Father in heaven, we do pray that you would help us as we come to your Word and consider it in this systematic way. Help us as we consider these great doctrines of the Christian faith. Uh, Father, help us to be faithful to what your Scriptures reveal. We thank you for this catechism which helps us to do that very thing. But I pray, O Lord, that you would make things clear in our minds. May we have a clear understanding of the Christian faith, and may we have faith in our hearts too, believing all that your word reveals to us, so that we might walk in a way that is pleasing to you in this world, O Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is not the sermon. It's a side note. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come. What does that mean? Does anyone know? Here I raise my Ebenezer. Anyone know? Uh, what? Rock of help comes from 1 Samuel 7. Uh, Samuel led the people in, in a great battle, and the Lord gave them victory. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin, and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. And so when we say, Here I raise my Ebenezer, we are saying, uh, I, I'm, we're, we're, we're raising up or erecting a monument to the Lord, and remembering His faithfulness to us up to this present day, and we're going to look upon this monument, of course, we're speaking metaphorically here, uh, so that we go on trusting Him in the future. It's a monument to the Lord concerning His covenantal faithfulness to us. Isn't that wonderful? Um, I often think when we sing that song, I need to explain what an Ebenezer is. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come, and I hope by thy good pleasure, safely to arrive at home. So we'll, we'll raise the monument, we'll continue on, we'll come back to it someday and remember God's faithfulness and, and continue on trusting in Him. Wonderful. So let's go now to the uh, afternoon sermon. We'll be considering Baptist Catechism 94. Again, these doctrines contained within our catechism are simply summaries of the great doctrines of the Christian faith drawn from the pages of Holy Scripture. But here we are asking the question, how is the Word made effectual to salvation? And the answer that is given, please listen to it, is that the Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word of God, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. A wonderful truth that we will explain further in just a moment. And I would like to read now from Psalm 119, verses 1 through 18. There are many scripture texts that we could read in support of this truth that is being presented to you this afternoon. But Psalm 119 is a, a wonderful chapter. It's, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, a very long chapter, and it just declares over and over again in different ways the excellencies of uh, the Word of God, the Law of God, the statutes of the Lord. So here now the reading of God's Holy Word, Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in His ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches." 
I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Now Psalm 119 continues longer than this, but we've read just a portion of it. And of course our prayer is that this would be our attitude uh, towards the Word of God, that we would truly delight in God's Word and pray to Him as we approach it that He would open our eyes so that we would behold wondrous things out of His law. This is now the reading of God's most holy Word. Let us remember what we learned in the last catechism question before considering this one. In question 93, we learned that God often works through means. In other words, God often uses things to accomplish His purposes. Sometimes He works directly, but most often He works through means. He uses things to accomplish His purposes. And when it comes to distributing to us the benefits of redemption that Christ has earned, He ordinarily works through four things that are identified in the Word of God. He he works through the Word of God, through baptism, the Lord's Supper, and prayer. And these have been called by theologians the ordinary means of grace. In other words, these are the, the means that God ordinarily uses to bring people to salvation and to grow them up in their salvation. Again, question 93 of our catechism identified the Word of God, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and prayer. These are the ordinary means of grace. Now, this does not mean that God cannot work in our lives in other ways. He certainly can, and He often does. But God has determined to work through these things. He brings His elect to faith, strengthens them, and preserves them through these ordinary means of grace, as I have just said. In the questions that follow, Our catechism will now teach us a lot more about these means of grace that have been identified. We learn a lot about how God works through the Word, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and prayer through the following questions and answers of our catechism. But today our focus is on the Word of God. Again, the question, how is the Word made effectual to salvation? It's a great question. So, so, the Word of God. Lots of people hear the Word of God, and it has no effect upon them. You understand that, right? Some people sit in church for decades, and they hear the Word of God. They hear the Gospel proclaimed, and they are not changed by it. So I suppose we ought to say from the outset that none of these things work automatically. You know, If someone hears the Word of God, they're going to be saved. They're going to be changed. That's not true. Some people hear the Word and are not changed. The same could be said for, for prayer and Uh, For even baptism and the Lord's Supper, none of these means of grace work in an automatic way so that they just uh, surely distribute God's grace to those who partake of them. No, um, sometimes people are not affected by these things. Sometimes the benefits of our redemption are not communicated to to us or distributed to us by these means of grace. So, how is the Word made effectual or effective to salvation? And the answer begins like this, The Spirit of God maketh, and then I continue, the Word of God in effectual means. That the Spirit of God makes this means of grace effective. This will be a constant theme as we consider these means of grace. How do they become effective? How do they come to work? 
How do they get the job done in bringing sinners to repentance and faith and sanctifying God's children and causing them to persevere? One of the first things that we must say is the Spirit of God makes these ordinary things effective. The Spirit must work if these things are to have an effect upon us and to the salvation of our souls. Again, you know this. Many will hear the Word of God proclaimed, but only some will believe it. And here we are basically asking, well, what makes the difference? Is it the skill of the preacher that makes the difference? It's not. Is it the inherent goodness or lack thereof of the hearer that makes the difference between the one who believes the Word of God proclaimed and the one who rejects it? And we say again, no, it is not that either, for we are all dead in our sins by nature no, it is, it is God who makes the difference. That is the answer. It is God who makes the difference. And in particular, it is the Spirit of God who makes the difference. He is the one who opens blind eyes and stops, unstops deaf ears. It is the Spirit of God who enlivens those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. If the Word of God read and preached is to have an effect upon someone unto the salvation of their souls... The Spirit of God must do His work upon them. He must regenerate them if they, are to, if they are to believe. Okay, so that is where our catechism begins, by mentioning the Spirit of God. The Spirit makes the Word an effective means of salvation. And this is why Jesus said, No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. He said that to a group of people who were listening to his preaching. They were hearing the Word of God proclaimed by Jesus, and Jesus simply provided this insight, No one can, no one is able to come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And how does the Father draw people to himself except through the agency of the Holy Spirit? So it is the Spirit working within the minds and hearts of men and women who makes these ordinary means of grace effective. And notice that our catechism teaches that the Spirit makes reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means. So the Spirit works in God's people, in His people, through the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word of God. I think it is right that our catechism mentions both the reading and the preaching of the Word of God as a means of grace, while at the same time giving priority to the preached Word. You should read your Bibles, brothers and sisters. You know that, right? You are blessed to have copies of the Holy Scriptures translated in your native tongue and, and accessible in your homes. You, you have multiple copies of the Bible, probably, at home. And this is a tremendous blessing. So you should read the Scriptures, friends. But do not forget that the vast majority of God's people have not had this privilege. Have you ever considered that? Prior to the invention of the printing press, not all that long ago, very few of God's people had a copy of the Holy Scriptures in their home and easily accessible. How then did they come to be exposed to the Word of God? How did God's people living prior to the invention of the printing press, or even in other places in the world today, how do they come to, to be exposed to the Word of God? They, they assemble with God's people, and they hear, they hear the Word of God read, and they hear the Word of God preached. Uh, that has been the way that God's people have been exposed to the Word of God, really throughout history. 
Pastors are given to the church by Christ, and one of their primary responsibilities is to read the Scriptures to the congregation. Did you know that? Not only are pastors to preach the Word, they are also to simply read the Scriptures to the congregation. Paul wrote to Timothy saying, "...until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture." That is 1 Timothy 4.13. We read the Bible a lot in our, in our worship services, in particular in the morning. There's a, a call to worship that is read. We read God's law in some way before the confession of our, our sins and the assurance of pardon. The assurance of pardon itself is a Scripture text that is read. We read the Old Testament and the New. By the way, it's a relatively new practice for us. I don't know when we started it, but it's a good one, I think, to hear each Lord's Day from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Just to simply hear the Word of God read. Oftentimes, one of those texts is not even expounded or preached, but it is read. And so we must see that pastors are to do this very thing. So listen to the Word of God read intently. Uh, When it is read, it should be read well, by the way, with clarity and with proper emphasis given at the proper time. But you have the responsibility as a a member of the congregation to come to church and and to be ready to simply listen to the Word of God being, being read to you. But pastors are not only to read the Word, In another place, or rather later in that same text, Paul says to Timothy, Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. So there is preaching mentioned, right? The congregation is also to be exhorted and and taught the Word of God. In another place, Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Into myths. So, what a charge this is. Timothy writing, Paul writing again to Timothy, I charge you, I, I, I give you this charge, I give you this command, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. Right? I mean, what magnificent language. Do you think Paul is serious about this command given to Timothy? Yes. And then what does he say? Preach the word. This you are to do faithfully. So the word of God is to be read aloud, and it is to be preached. And here we are saying that the Spirit of God makes the reading but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means unto salvation. And so I might ask you this simple question, are you eager to hear the Word preached, brothers and sisters? Even if my preaching or the preaching of some other is not very good, if it's not very eloquent, you shouldn't be hung up by that. So long as the Scriptures are read and clearly explained, you should be eager to hear that and to receive that and to to apply it, you see. You must prepare your hearts for that very thing. This is a bit of a tangent, and I'll go on it very quickly. It was very nice to sit and to listen to a sermon uh, last week, and, and even before that when Phil preached as well, just to sit and listen, because I hadn't done that in a while. Um, but I, I don't know, we, we were sitting in our car listening to the sermon last Sunday because there wasn't a church to go to. I was kind of on the edge of my seat, I'll be honest with you. Um, just to, to feast on God's Word, to hear it read and clearly explained and, and faithfully applied. That's a powerful thing, and I hope the same is true for you. No matter who the preacher is, no matter how eloquent or 
or, or whatever. This is the Word of God we are hearing. And the job of the preacher is to simply read the Scriptures and, and to explain it and to make some application from it. We should be eager to engage with that. Because God works through the reading and especially the preaching of the Word of God. Notice what the Spirit of God does within God's elect through the Word when it is read and preached. We are told that He convinces sinners. We teach the doctrine of effectual calling. God gets the job done. He, he by His Word and Spirit, will certainly bring all of His elect to to faith and to salvation. He will call them effectually. This doesn't mean that he, uh, that, that we kind of check our minds at the door, you know. I know God, through His Word, does, by the power of His Holy Spirit, convince sinners. So He, so he has a way of convincing us that these doctrines are, are true. You know, He engages our mind. He, he persuades us to believe what the Bible has to say. By His Word and Spirit, He also converts sinners. Uh, he transfers us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He, he changes us inwardly. We are converted through the ministry of the Word of God as the Spirit works. He builds them up in holiness. So those who have faith in Christ are, are then sanctified, we will say. They, they are purified over time through the Word of God and, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. He builds them up in comfort. The Word of God not only challenges us concerning sin, but the Word of God comforts our souls. And all of this, you will notice our catechism says, is through faith. See, uh, we must believe the Word, and faith itself is a gift from God. And all of this is unto salvation. We're, we're talking about the things that God uses to work within His people, to bring them to faith unto salvation, saving faith. And so let me conclude now with three points of application, and they are very brief. One, if we wish to see sinners come to faith and repentance, we must preach the Word of God. This will not happen automatically, but God will bring His elect to faith and repentance and unto salvation through the means of the preached Word of God. This is why Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And he teaches this doctrine even more clearly elsewhere, that if men are to be saved, then they must hear the Word of God proclaimed. Preachers must be sent if men and women are to be saved. They must be sent to preach God's Word faithfully. Two, if we wish to grow in Christ, being built up in holiness and comfort, then we must listen to the Word read and preached. Again, God will sanctify us. He will, he will cause us to persevere. That is, that is all true. But how will He do it? It will be through the means of, of the Word of God, through reading it, through hearing it read, through hearing it preached. This is how God is going to build us up in holiness and comfort. We must be eager to receive the Word of God as God's people. And three, if the Word is to benefit us at all, then we must come to it in faith, which is itself the gift of God. And so here I am simply exhorting you, brothers and sisters, to prepare your hearts to hear God's Word. 
Prepare your hearts to hear God's Word. Pray that the Lord would increase your faith as you come to hear the Word read and preached each Lord's Day. This gets very practical, by the way. Go to bed at a reasonable hour on a Saturday night. You know, get a good night's sleep. Be intentional when you wake up, knowing what it is that you're going to do on the Lord's Day. You're going to assemble with God's people. And one of the main things that we will do is engage with God's Word. So, uh, we must prepare our hearts to hear God's Word. We must come with faith and with thankfulness, with expectation that God will speak to us through His Word read and preached. The question once again, how is the Word made effectual to salvation? The answer, the Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this truth, for this doctrine so beautifully summarized for us. We thank you for the way that you work through the Word of God preached. We came to faith in Christ by hearing the Word, and we continue to grow in Him through your Word. Your Word is our daily bread, and so, O God, we pray that you would nourish us continuously by it. May we have the same attitude concerning the Scriptures as the psalmist did there in Psalm 119. May we treasure it above all else. O Lord, we pray that you would make us wise, that we would run to the Scriptures and be eager to obey them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.